What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas pod, the Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right. David Thorpe is here. And David, I mean, we were talking beforehand. You're a busy guy these days. You're on the basketball friends. You're doing the Thorpedo Thursdays and it is Thursday. Is there, I haven't listened today. Is, did yeah. you do a podcast? Today? We did. We did. Yeah. I think it just, it just went up a couple hours ago. Okay, cool. Um, Always one of my favorites, and I've been listening to you ever since I was watching those True Hoop videos on ESPN.com years and years ago with Henry Abbott. So that's where I first um, started listening to you and reading you and everything else. And now you're an editor at large at Flow Sports. You've already angered one fan base <laughs> a couple days in with Alonzo Ball piece that uh, had a very, I think it was all the headline. It goes back to people just, they see the headline and they just get angry. And then they probably don't read your analysis and why you have the thoughts that you do about him. But uh, I, I did get a laugh out of that of like the Laker Nation already being upset with you for going after Lonzo. Yeah, when somebody even said something, well, actually as someone who likes me, but but thought that I, I'm biased against the Lakers and I just laughed and told them, uh, you know, that's been my favorite team since I was a boy, Jerry West. Played for the Lakers in the early 70s. My dad saw him play in the 60s uh, uh, in college against the Citadel, where my dad went, and Jerry West went to West Virginia. And so I became a Jerry West fan uh, with the Lakers. And then I became a Norm Nixon fan that you won't remember who Norm Nixon is. But I, I do, not. I do and, and everyone my age does, because they won their first championship with Magic and Norm Nixon in the backcourt. And then Magic, uh, they didn't really need Norm Nixon anymore. He was a great little guard. He's married to a famous actress, Debbie Allen. And um, he, so they got rid of Norm to the Clippers. And then I became just a huge Magic fan. I love Jamal Wilkes. I love James Worthy. I've, you know, I had a Laker swatch watch when I was in college. I had a Laker jacket. Uh, I don't really have favorites now just because I root for friends and, and players that I trained. Uh, and great stories. I don't, I don't really care about – I don't have a fan – feeling anymore because I'm in the business. But mm -hmm. the idea that I don't like the Lakers is ridiculous. And I'm, I'm a huge Lonzo Ball fan. What I wrote is he's the worst offensive guard in the league pretty much right now. But his trends are positive, and I think he's going to be a potential borderline all-star. I'm, I'm a fan. But I pointed out what he sucks at now and what he's got to get better at, it, and that's my job. Well, check that out and give it a thorough read before, especially if you're a Laker fan. Don't freak out over the headline as – David just said he's going to be good. It's just he's not good right now. Right. Um, a player you're familiar with, and you've talked about guys that you're um, that you root for, that you've coached, and everything else. Corey Brewer apparently is going to Thunder. Do you have any early thoughts on how he fits in there? Oh yeah, of course. Um, I've been talking to some teams about him. Uh, Corey and I have talked a lot these last few days. Uh, it's hard to get past the combination of what they lost in, in Robertson being out and what Corey brings is such a close fit. Obviously they're different players and different respects, but, but what Corey can bring, I think is what they're missing and they're being coached by 
Corey's played for a lot of great coaches. In fact, I think Corey one day is going to be a head coach himself in the NBA. He's an oh. incredibly high basketball IQ guy. Uh, very, very, one of the smartest kids I've ever coached. And I, I've had 70 some odd guys, um, just in the NBA. Um, I, Corey just really understands the game. And I think in part because of natural talent and a part because he's played for so many great coaches from Rick Carlisle and George Carl and Billy Donovan. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, he just had obviously a lot more. Um, and I think that Billy Donovan is so important to him and what they accomplished at Florida. And in these buyout situations, that goes a long way because you're not getting a training camp and a season. You're getting you're thrown to the mix. Like I like he might start very quickly here. Coach Donovan knows who he is, knows his character, uh, knows his citizenship. The way he Corey's one of those guys who only wants to win. He he I can't tell you the number of times he's passed up a wide open dunk. Because he gave it to a big man running the floor. Because that's what you're taught as a kid. Take care of your big man. He always does. Almost always does. And how many times he's, he's missed a half-court three-point heave because he's one of those own, his guys that don't hold on to it till after the buzzer sounds. Mm-hmm. He, just, he just doesn't care. He just wants to get three points. And doesn't matter. He'll make one of 50. Um, he's always going to take that shot. His teammates know he'll take it. So they keep throwing it to him because they don't want to lower their averages. He's just totally selfless that way. So I think he'll fit in great with what they want. He knows how to play with stars. He's done that before in a few spots. And um, they're, they're a hard bet to get past, you know, round two. But I could see him making a big difference in round one. And round two, he's, he's shown the ability to make enough plays to pull off upsets for his team. So I'm, I'm rooting for him, that's for sure. Yeah, I think it's a good fit. And like you said, it, it would not be surprising to see him start right away. And... You said one one for fifty. He doesn't care about that. I believe that is what uh, Andre Robertson shot from three before he went down. Um, really? Yeah, I think he was one for fifty on the season. No, it's not that bad, but it uh, <laughs> was, uh, it feels that. Bad. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, I mean Robertson does. Corey's always been more of a chaos creator than a lockdown guy. He's really mm-hmm. really thin, and 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 uh, uh, he just likes to go chase after balls and 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 that gambling spirit cost him some but uh he he also like russell westbrook hates playing against him i'm sure he'll be happy that he's not having to worry about it he drives people a little crazy uh he gets in durant's under durant's skin he can guard curry as much as anyone can guard curry uh uh harden i mean you can throw him on some people he know james harden here great friends i i that i could see that happening in a matchup uh again he's not shutting anyone down robertson's better at that but he's better in transition than Robertson. He's better at energy guy. He's a very gifted passer. People, people, I know it's one of the real mysteries for me as a coach is how does Corey make so many great simple passes when he's going a thousand miles an hour? Most guys can't do that, but he can. Um, and he's played in a lot of. He's been a lot of playoff games. He's he's he's, he's been he's been part of some big wins in the playoffs, both with Mavericks in Houston and Denver, more so Dallas and, and Houston. Uh, I think that he's going to be. A plus for them to, if they're going to have any shot, it, you know, getting out like Corey would help. I I, w- I would agree. Um, so there's another thing, like I should say, like I want to just throw a lot of NBA related questions sure. at you, and that was the first one. I know you're familiar with Corey, but um, the next one, like you're watching a lot. Your Instagram is great if you want to see um, you identifying plays and just like your perspective on how teams are moving around and how teams are defending and what cool things are doing. So check that out. But I want to know, 
who I feel like Golden State's the easy answer here, but who for you has impressed you the most this season? Which team is like going into the season you were kind of eh on, but like they really have impressed you, um, exceeded your expectations at this point. Uh, I I mean I don't know that there's anyone that ex- exceeded it. I thought Houston would be great. Um, I maybe maybe they're even a little better. I mean they are the best team in the league right now. Um, I, I really loved. I, I think Daryl's fantastic. He's a friend. I think he's fantastic. And uh, Daryl Morey. And uh, I think that uh, adding Chris Paul was a no-brainer. And I never thought there'd be any issues, and there really hasn't been any issues. And I think that they're good enough to beat Golden State in, in a seven-game series and win a championship. And I thought they might be before the season, I, and nothing changed my mind. Um, Capella's been really good. Eric Gordon's really good. Uh, they got to stay healthy, of course, but but uh, they've changed the way they're playing a little bit, maybe a lot. They're much slower. Uh, I'm doing a piece on them right now for Flow Sports. It'll be out uh, probably Friday, um, I think, Friday. And uh, I'll talk about how they changed. They're just playing a lot slower now. So I think maybe that's surprised me. I didn't expect that. Um, they're every bit a contender, in my opinion. Okay. I, I've gone back and forth on this of just like if we're just talking ourselves into them being a real threat to the Warriors just because we haven't gotten to the playoffs yet and until we actually see it in a seven-game series. And it's just a lot more fun to think about the Rockets pushing the Warriors to the brink. And I, I, there's just part of me that just wonders it, when we get into a seven-game series, especially with how much tread will be on James Harden's tires this year at this point, and if they get to the Western Conference Finals of just like, Will we see them run out of gas like we've seen in the last couple of years? And then we're like, why do we do this again? Even though we knew that they were a great regular season team and blah, blah, blah. But like, it's just really, really hard to beat the Golden State Warriors in a seven game series. Yeah, of course it is. Um, I th- and I think sometimes then Tony plays Harden too much, although his minutes are not as stressful. Number one, they lead the league in, in uh, point differential, which is mm-hmm. probably an indicator of power. Uh, he can take plays off and just do a lot of Chris Paul and get out of the way. And that helps. Uh, I watched them last night. They had a nice little action where they set a double screen and Harden sets the first screen. Capella sets the second screen for Chris Paul. Capella rolls to the rim. The defense freaks out because Chris Paul still has the ball and Harden is picking and popping. And Capella got a wide open dunk. Uh, Harden didn't do anything. He just kind of stood there. That's that's happening more. They are running a lot of ISOs for him, which does drain him some. But uh he stands around a lot before he does it. So it's like he gathers the energy necessary before he unleashes the power. Um, so it's a fair question. Is he going to run out of steam? I don't know, but uh, they're, they're clearly better than they ever have been uh, in, in this era with, with Harden yeah, and, sure. and their way they play, which is fast or slow now gives them some opportunities. I think uh, I would favor golden state slightly, but I don't have to make that call now. I'll, I'll deal with that when they we'll see what the teams look like in May. I don't have to, you know, we have to make that call now. Yeah. But we do have to talk about something, which is, I think, behind <laughs> us talking about things. Who do you think, I feel like this is an obvious answer, but I'm curious, who do you think has done the best coaching job this year? Well, D'Antoni's changing what he's done has been really good. I, 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 I won't ever look at one guy. Um, I think uh, Scotty Brooks, has got his team playing really well. And, and when they, people are trying to say, well, look what happened. John Wall went out. Look how good they are. It doesn't work that way. John Wall is fantastic. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean that there aren't some issues with John, but 
Uh, the fact that he's managed to keep that group together and play better without their best player is impressive. Uh, Jazz maybe have hit the wall a little bit. We'll see. But what Quinn had done uh, was pretty good. I think Spolstra's done an amazing job putting, putting him in the playoff hunt. Uh, I think what Pop's done without Kawhi is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I would lean, if I guess if I had a vote, I'd, I'd probably, I mean, if the, if the Rockets win, oh, and Dwayne Casey, he's been great. Yeah. So he's been great. I mean, there's no way to look at it any other way. Uh, if um, if the Rockets end up winning the West uh, in the regular season, uh, I think D'Antoni will get the award. Okay. It's interesting because I feel like you mentioned Pop, and I thought you were going to say Pop because I just think without Kawhi, we've kind of just overlooked at how insane it is that they're number three in the West. It's amazing. Without it's Kawhi amazing. for almost all year because so many other coaches I don't think would be able to get this out of this kind of team. No question. Like, no question. I yeah, I, I don't know. So who would, who would you pick? I would pick Pop because I just yeah. I, I still go back to just like he hasn't had Kawhi basically all season. He hasn't had a hundred percent Kawhi all season at the very least. And yeah, Kawhi's played like nine to, games. So yeah, and he was playing like, what like twenty minutes maybe. Yeah. It's just not the Kawhi that they've ever been accustomed to, and it's just. I think it's still insane that he's getting out of Bertons. Like he's Tony Parker. He had to reinsert him into the lineup and like do the really difficult coaching decision and like putting him back to a bench role. And what's better for the team is inserting DeJounte Murray as a full-time starter and just all the different things that he's juggled this year. I don't know. I think this might be his most impressive coaching job to me. It's been great. I won't argue with you one bit. Um, things you're like seeing, watching games, like when you're on Instagram and you're posting things and you're watching games every night. I'm curious, like when you're looking at plays and you've talked about like some of the cool sets that they're, um, I believe it was the Rockets that they were running last night. Like what are some things that you think, um, you see that like, that you like that the casual fan doesn't really notice? Like, do you see plays happening before or like, what are some cool yeah. stuff that you can like point out, especially like to your son, and everything else like, Oh, they're going to do that or watch this guy right here. Like, what are some examples of that? I mean, all there are are examples. I, that's what I, that's all I see. So, um, do you ever see the movie, the matrix? Mm-hmm. So coaches are watching the matrix We're we're, you're, we're watching early offense. What are you running in your early offense? Are you floppy action? Are you uh, running drag screen, which the Rockets have a, a great drag and roll. I call it the drag and roll, but it's like a drag and roll uh, with Capella and typically Harden, sometimes Paul. Uh, are they hitting ahead for shots? Uh, okay, then in the half court, what are you doing? Is it a mixture of pinch post action, ball screen action? Where's the ball screens are at? Are they doing uh, center cut ball screens? Are they going side pick and roll? Uh, if I'm focused on defense, then I'm looking at what are they doing on each of these things? Are they, are they blitzing certain guys? Are they going under certain guys? How are they going over it? Are they icing? Are they bluing, which is a, a sideline pick and roll defense, uh, both ice and blue are different ways to defend ball screens action with you, with what you do with your bigs. I mean, that's just all I'm, it's just till I see. Uh, and then I'm looking at lots of other things. Uh, are guys racing? Uh, are guys jumping for block shots instead of just tolling up and, and refusing to foul? Are players playing on roller skates offensively, which they young guys, Lonzo Ball as an example, does a lot where think about if you were playing on roller skates, you wouldn't, you wouldn't come to stops. You would be moving because you're on wheels. Yeah. Young guys tend to play on roller skates, whereas guys like Chris Paul, James Harden, LeBron James, uh, they, you know, always under control. Just it's. It, it, the, the number of times you think they're going to turn them all over, but the game is going so slow. Uh, I, did, you, did you see the movie Wonder Woman? 
Uh, I did not. That's actually. a mistake. What are you doing? Well, I just there was part of me like after the DC like debacle, like I've just no, it's, kind it's of way, it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I've heard great things, but I just yeah. I don't know. I can't I, I can't do any more DC, and I'm just so burnt out on comic movies in general. Like I haven't seen Black Panther yet. I oh, that's Spider-Man. another mistake. I, I may have to cancel the podcast. That's I <laughs> we're took, already I, too like I took, I, I took my daughter who's 16. I have twin. I have twins. My daughter and son are 16. I took my daughter to Wonder Woman and. We're a Jewish family, and late in the movie, when she was just you know, the, the the actress is incredible in the role she's playing, and I mentioned my my daughter mentioned something to me about how amazing it was, and I said, you know, she's from Israel, and, and my daughter said, my daughter, we're not the most Jewish family in the world, but she said, oh my God, I want to be her, and I love that she said that, and mm-hmm. I took my son to Black Panther. He and I have always seen, we've seen superhero movies since he was like six, before they even started coming out. We've, we see everyone pretty much except for some of the DC ones, which I agree with you weren't so strong. Um, uh, and we thought it was, it wasn't the greatest one ever. The, the, vil- the villains aren't great, but super fun to watch. But anyway, when Wonder Woman, she's, you wonder well, how can she block bullets with her golden cufflinks on her wrist? She, the, the bullets are going in slow motion. That's exactly what it's like for these veteran players. The game's in slow motion for them. And so they're really not Is that going the main crazy. reason why rookies like yes. traditionally just do not make an impact yes. early on. And, okay. Especially with turnover. The game is going a thousand. So college players play the game. Pros read the game and hmm. veteran pros really read the game. And it's just, it's just so much slower. So I'm watching that. I'm watching what is the offense doing? What is the defense countering with? How are the players reading it? What, what are they thinking about? Uh, one thing I like doing on Instagram, which, which my Twitter is coach Thorpe. My Instagram is coach David Thorpe. Cause I never did Twitter until I'm sorry. I never did Instagram until like Thanksgiving. My, my youngest brother told me I should be doing it. So I coach Thorpe. Someone took it. I didn't, I don't know who it is. So I'm coach David. It wasn't Instagram. me. Yeah. I, I, it would have. They're allowed to do it. They're allowed, there's more than one coach Thorpe in the world. It's okay. Um, but I look for things that maybe a fan wouldn't necessarily see. And, and then I, I try to do like kind of cryptic hashtags a little bit. So to show you what I'm seeing and let you figure it out from there, one thing I like is what I call bully ball, which is with everyone switching everything now, there's an advantage for the guys that know that have the skill and power to just bully you. And uh, so I like I like bully ball. Uh, Wiggins had a nice play the other night where he just attacked the rim and got his body on people and finger rolled it in no problem. Uh, uh, Julius Randle will bully ball people. All the big guys that are that are good that can dribble the ball will take advantage of it. If you can't dribble the ball, then you've got to hope someone throws you the ball. Uh, but most of these mm-hmm. guys now are so skilled. So I'm looking for that kind of stuff. I love watching how players react to great plays or bad plays by their team. Uh, I like watching how they react to their coach. I like how coaches react. Uh, I'm trying to get all those are stories to me, uh, a flavor for what's happening. So that, that's what I'm looking at. Do you like where the professional game has gone? I mean, you've been around the league for so long. Do you like to see like where we're at right now? Or are you a little bit nervous about where we're going? Uh, I mean, I think the game's the best it's ever been by a considerable right. margin. Uh, our players are better than ever. Uh, the There's a lot of people that say otherwise. Uh, I've, I've coached high-level players for three decades. My, my high school teams three decades ago were very good. I had a kid who played four years with me and two years after he played for me, he was starting at center in the final four and, and had a great game against Duke. They lost at the buzzer, but he had a great game. Uh, he he's, he'd really struggle in, in the way the games played to some degree. Anyway, he'd be great in other areas. He's a huge guy inside. And uh, we treated him differently. We, we taught all of our players, every skill. 
So this kid was 6'6", 300 pounds in ninth, 10th grade, whatever. We taught him how to shoot threes and handle the ball. Um, I just am a big believer in that. And uh, and that's how everyone's playing now. All these guys are so skilled. I mean, I've, I've mentioned publicly that I, I think Pelicans should go after Marcus Gasol and go ultra big with Gasol at five, DeMarcus at four, and Davis at three. Because, oh, wow. Because Davis and Cousins are guards. They're just huge, but they're guards. So, yeah, you're going to have some troubles in different areas, of course, chasing guys around. I think they're mobile enough to do it. I think DeMarcus could lose another 30, 40 pounds maybe. Uh, he's very mobile. And, yes, you're going to be able to get some shots against him. It's going to be a, a, a time to, to adjust. But but they're going to have the highest field goal percentage from two in the league because they're going to bully the hell out of you. And Gasol can shoot threes. So you're going to have five three-point shooters on your team, get really athletic ones and twos with some size. And I think you could be a, a great – counter to what the Rockets and the uh, the Warriors do. So yeah, I love where the game's going. Uh, there, there's issues uh, being being so involved at the high school level with AAU and, and I, I help out a lot of high school teams in the area, my son's team, but also some friends of mine have teams. Um, and I, I worry sometimes that we play too many games and we don't drill enough. Uh, I think that we, we need to make sure we're teaching all the time, uh, not overplaying these guys. But no, right now I think that the level of the game is ne- it never, it's never been better. I think we have a lot of great coaches too. How much do you think Henry Abbott hates that idea with the Pelicans? Because I remember the, him being really down um, back when the Pelicans first went with the uh, Anthony Davis to Marcus Cousins pairing and like he predicted doomsday for that. And now you're suggesting adding another big. So I think um, Henry Abbott, if he's listening right now, he will listen. He may have just fallen over. He may have just fallen over. I talked <laughs> he may to have Henry. Out. I talked to Henry, you know, probably two or three times a week for an hour at a time. So, uh, he's one. Of, so he knows about this. He, I, you know, I did not tell him I'm, I didn't talk to him today, but I will send this to him and he will listen to it when he does his workouts or yoga, all the different things he does. And I, I think I've told him this and normally Henry's very belligerent, uh, because he's super smart. And so he's belligerent when he should be, uh, he and I, uh, were like two old men arguing. Um, the difference is I just have no problem. I have no pride when it comes to arguments. If, if you make better <laughs> points than me, I'm happy to say, oh, you're right. I just, I'm too old to care. I don't yeah. have, I just don't have pride that way. Uh, Henry's pretty prideful, but uh, nothing impresses him more than intelligence. And if you can make an intelligent argument, he may argue with you, but it's only going to make you smarter. And I actually think he agreed with me at the idea of, of, of zigging to everyone's zag. Um, but I also think Henry was right regarding DeMarcus and Anthony Davis because of Alvin Gentry and that fit. And DeMarcus had been an idiot in Sacramento. Uh, he's, I, I think Anthony Davis really saved DeMarcus. I used to think he needed to go to a city that was bigger than him. And New Orleans may be that city. It's a football town. It's one of my favorite cities I've ever visited. I, I went to Jazz Fest last year. It's incredible. The, the Pelicans don't mean enough to them, unlike the Kings in Sacramento, where he's just another dude. And they've had plenty of dudes, you know, in different sports. Pete Maravich yeah. and football and Anthony Davis. So the combination of playing in a city like that and Anthony Davis being as humble a star as we have in the game, I think has helped him. I, I've talked to players on that team who have said that. It's not my opinion um, organically. It's my opinion based on what I've who I've talked to. He's just such an incredible guy that DeMarcus can't hate it. And uh, – I, I'm it's sad that they're not together right now and playing because man, it'd be 
look how you know he's gone. He's even admitted. Uh, uh, Anthony Davis said he's gone. He's going Russell Westbrook mode, and uh, it's been amazing to watch. If they had Demarcus too, I mean, I just I don't think anyone would want to play those guys in the playoffs. I really don't. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, which roster, like, let's say you have your choice at coaching any NBA team right now, which roster, I feel like the Warriors again is the easy answer here, but like which roster do you think would be the most fun and rewarding for you to coach? Well, if you, if you frame it like that, um, I might say Cleveland because the expectations are lower. Uh, uh, the Warriors, you have to win or you're a bust and you're fired. And I don't, and, and, and for the record, I, I've been offered a head job once. Uh, I turned it down flat. Uh, I, it's just not where I want to be in my life. It hasn't. I left coaching on, on the team side of my late 20s, and I've never regretted it for one second. Uh, I, I, it's just not what I want to do. But, if, but in, in this hypothetical situation, having Cleveland um, with the new parts and LeBron not just being the, you know, the world's best player most, most nights, but also a genius – uh, it would be fun to play with that a little bit, I think, um, especially if just for like a half a year or whatever. But uh, I like, I mean, I like the way the Sixers uh, put together. I think Utah is really interesting. Um, what Spolstra's done in Miami is incredible. That that seems to be a, a thankless job. It's amazing what he what he can do. Yeah, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, I think it'd be fun to coach. It's not going great right now, but I, I was a fan of the move and and think that it can be okay. But Blake's not doing great right now. At least he didn't last game for sure. He struggled a little bit, but I think it, I think it'd be fun. But yeah, I think Cleveland would be the most fun. The Lakers would be fun too. The Lakers are Lakers have a talented young group, uh, really, really talented young group. I don't know they're always sure what they should do. I, I think they struggle with what their mission is. But mm-hmm. if they let Luke just coach them up uh, and not worry about wins and losses, but coach those young guys up, I think they'd be fun. They are fun. I think, and I think they should keep letting Isaiah Thomas do whatever he's doing on the court more because that is. That does not stop being entertaining. That I, I've watched that video of him just throwing that uh, blind pass over his head yeah. at least seventeen times, and I still have no idea what he was looking at because I kept like stopping at different points of like maybe he just like it was an eyes in the back. Of, like, did he think that he was going to cut earlier? I, I, what was the no... what was the clock left? What was what was left on the clock? That's a good question. I'm not sure on the top of my head. I thought he I thought he made a play because of the clock. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It was amazing because there was no one over there. And I just, I, I kept looking. I was like, maybe he thought, so. I, I just don't know what he was doing. But it was, it was hilarious either way. And Hannibal Burris narrating that yeah, uh, thing was great. Um, last thing, and then we need to go. Uh, are we ever going to get a Henry Abbott Leverage the Chat podcast reunion? I would guess yes. Uh, I, I think that he's knee deep in writing what's going to be a national bestseller book. Uh, it's going to be incredible. Um, he's even more uh, busy with raising his two children and a lovely wife, Jessica, and uh, and getting in great shape. Uh, he played ball, I heard. Well, he told me he won a bunch of games. Henry never seems to lose um, when he tells me. I've witnessed him losing, but whenever I'm out there, he seems. So Henry can ball. He's actually a good basketball he's a, player. No, no, he's a terrible basketball player. Oh, he's a really good athlete. Really good athlete. Okay. Yeah, Henry's strong as hell and can run all day. He's in great shape all the time. He's really one of the most amazing men I've ever met in my life, and amazing husband and father. So I think he's focused on a lot of other things. 
Um, and uh, I don't think he's too focused on the NBA right now. But I could see it in time where uh, I threaten our friendship if he doesn't come on a show. And uh, that's what my well, I endorse that because that was one of my favorite true pods. Uh, the, the contrast because every podcast is just younger voices and a lot of it younger, but it was just uh, it was refreshing. That's what, how what did you like? Yeah, you mean when Henry was on with different people? No, when you and Henry were oh. doing, you called it what was it called? The Papa Pod? Oh, we did Dad Pod. We did Dad Pod. Dad yes. Pod, yes. <laughs> That's when I, I, I love that. That was literally one of my favorite basketball podcasts of the week. We got a, we, just, we got a lot of really nice things, and I was in Vegas, I think even. A summer ago uh, for a uh, uh, summer league and the bartender was like David Thorpe, like dad pod David Thorpe. And I gave my credit See, card for it, people. I'm telling you, man, that yeah. resonated for whatever reason that worked. You yeah. and David on the pod. I don't know if it was the I, years of the videos predict. together or what. <laughs> I, well, I mean, we're just such close friends that uh, they used to always say that um, that Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, these are guys older than than, than what you remember. But but those were, they were legends for me. And I had every Richard Pryor album, every single word of every album I knew. They used to say that those two made every movie they made was a love story between the two of them because they were just so amazing together. And it's kind of that way with Henry and I. We we really love each other in the best way. And um, I, I I will I will predict whether it's leverage the chat or something else down the road. We're we're not done. I mean I'm much much older than him, and especially if you look at at health wise uh, compared to me. He's in such great shape, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a dad pot again. It just may be where Papa's at that point. Uh, hopefully, it won't be that long, but yeah, I will tell him, and we'll we'll do a dad pot. All right, that's great. Good to hear, um, David. I this has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time. We can find you on Twitter at Coach Thorpe. We can find you on Instagram where you're putting out great uh, content on what you're seeing, as we talked about at Coach David Thorpe. And we can read you now after a little time away at flowsports.com and uh, look out for your column tomorrow and uh yeah thank you so much and uh we will have maybe we'll have to do this again soon maybe we'll check back in and get henry in and we'll do a uh a group pod i will i will bring it up to him i appreciate the time tonight and i will talk to him tomorrow about it okay all right thank you so much david have a great week you too bye-bye Now on the line, down goes Brown, better known as Sean McIndoe, who is an NHL writer at Sportsnet and Vice Sports, ex-Grantlander, and hosts the very great Vice Sports podcast, Biscuits. Uh, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing pretty good. Um, are, are you burnt out? The trade deadline, the NHL trade deadline just passed. A lot of action, and you wrote your biggest winners and losers column for vice sports that everybody should go check out um what were your early takeaways from all of that are are you done or are you glad that it's over where are you at with it no you know what it's i wouldn't say burned out it's more like it's it's more like withdrawal because i i love the the trades i love the rumor mills the hot stove all of that stuff and it's uh you know it just it builds and builds and builds as the, as the year goes on and then the day, the big day comes, and then it's it's just done. And it, it reminds me, like I remember when my uh, when my wife and I got married, and you know, we've been planning this. We we spent a year planning the wedding, and then we had the wedding and the ceremony and the stuff after. And the guests all went home, and we weren't leaving for our honeymoon for a couple of days. And we kind of looked at each other like on the Monday, 
And we're like, what do we do for fun? Like, what do we do when we're not planning <laughs> weddings? We couldn't remember. Like, do we have hobbies? What do we do? And it's kind of the same thing when you're, uh, you know, when you're a hockey fan and especially a hockey writer with the with the deadline. It's like that Tuesday comes around and you filed your winners and losers column, and it's like, what else do we talk about again? It's it's kind of hard to kind of hard to remember what the uh, uh, the season's like when all you have to pay attention to are the actual games. Well, thankfully, you got the Bruins and Penguins who. I think scored 73 goals in the first period tonight. They're lighting it up. It's it's old school. I like it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So who do you think overall won the trade deadline? Everyone should check out the piece, but who is your biggest winner? You know, I, the biggest winner, I I guess it, it depends how you're judging it, but, but if you look at it as the trade deadline is about moving yourself closer to the Stanley cup, uh, then I think you got to say the winner is the Tampa Bay Lightning because at the end yeah. of it, they come out of this. Uh, you know, they, they were probably the favorite going in, but they're definitely the favorite now. They they go and land, maybe not the biggest name uh, in in Ryan McDonough, but but certainly one of the bigger names. And and this is a team that was already stacked, already loaded. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I think a lot of us, uh, especially if you happen to cheer for a team that's that's in that division or that conference that has to go through Tampa to get uh, to get anywhere. You were you were real nervous that they were reportedly in on Eric Carlson, and apparently that was something that that uh, was uh, was significantly on their radar, and 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 they may have come close to pulling off. And uh, there there was some relief when the word trickled out that no, Eric Carlson's not going anywhere. Uh, and I mean, you you made it right to the deadline. It was right around uh, a few minutes to three o'clock when suddenly word comes out that the the Lightning have done something with the Rangers, and it wasn't too hard to figure out that was probably going to be Ryan McDonough. It ended up being even a little bigger than that. And, uh, you know, full, full credit to Steve Eisman. He's he's real good at this, and he managed to uh, to add uh, a, at least one big piece, maybe two, uh, depending on, on what, you, what your thoughts on J.T. Miller are, and uh, not at an outrageous price. He, he paid a price, but, uh, you know, he didn't, didn't dismantle his, his current roster to do it. Uh, it's it's good work, and he's you know the the nice thing is he's got Ryan McDonough at least for this year and next year, even if he can't sign him to an extension, which is two two swings at a Stanley Cup. And you look at the skill and the the quality on this roster already. Two two shots at the cup is uh, is is pretty good. I'm starting to like their odds. Are we destined for a Preds versus Lightning Stanley Cup final? Oh, I mean, let's hope so, because boy, that, I mean, that would be all kinds of fun and. Uh, it, uh, those would be two, two teams that could, uh, could run and gun a little bit, but, uh, you know, at, every year around this time, we, we end up picking one or two teams in each conference and going, all right, it's going to be, it's going to be this, you know, we, we can start narrowing down the matchups and it never works out that way. There's always the upset. Yeah. There's always the surprises. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not ruling out anybody. And, and we certainly know that, uh, if the predators themselves showed us last year, you get, you get into the, the field of 16 and, uh, if you, if you get hot, anything can happen. But, um, you know, I, 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 I still like the Penguins. I, I can't completely rule out the Golden Knights. I think Winnipeg is, is a lot better than, than some give them credit for. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe even Boston too. It, it could be any of those teams. It could be anyone outside of those teams. And, uh, you know, this is, the age of parody in the NHL, as they love to remind us, uh, means that uh, we never really know exactly what's going to happen until it's happened, and half the time, even then, we're not completely sure. Why do you think the Golden Knights have overachieved so much in year one? I, you know what? I, I'm I'm still trying to figure it out, and you know, if if I sat here and 
and acted like I had an explanation that I'd, I'd be a liar because I, you know, I, I did not see this coming. Uh, when uh, you know, I, I, I don't I, think anybody did. I don't think anybody did. There, there were certainly some that were a little more optimistic than I was. Coming out of the expansion draft, I, you know, I, I came away from it thinking that the George McPhee hadn't really had a great night and that he had left a, a fair amount of value on the table. And, and I remember seeing that you know some. Some people were looking at that going, this could maybe be a playoff team. And, you know, that was the most optimistic take that I saw. I certainly didn't see anyone saying they'd be cup contenders or, or right in the running for first place overall. I did see some people say playoff contender. Uh, and even that, to me, seemed seemed overly optimistic. And now, in hindsight, they, they grabbed a couple of great value picks. They, uh, they certainly worked a few teams uh, on some of these side deals that were made uh, and, uh, and, and really... Uh, uh, got some great value out of that, and the, the end of the day, you know, the, what's what's really so interesting about this team to me is if you would, if some time traveler this time a year ago had come from the year 2018 and said the Vegas Golden Knights are actually really good, they, they have an excellent record, they're going to make the playoffs, and and they might even have a chance at the Stanley Cup. I think everybody would have said, oh, okay, that's that's an amazing story, but they must be doing it uh, the way that expansion teams historically have had any success in the NHL, which is clutch and grab, slow it way down, get a great goaltender, play defense, and try to win every game one nothing and bore every team to death. And they haven't done that at all. Like, this this team is fast. They are fun. They they've got they've got skill. They can score. Uh you know, they it's it's really it's really something else. And I, I there needs to be a lot of soul searching, I think, around other front offices around the NHL as to how the heck did this happen. Uh because clearly uh, you know, you, I know that the the expansion rules were you know a little more uh, uh, loose than they had been in in previous times around, but every team was was protecting eight or nine of of their their best guys. There's no way a team should have been able to assemble a cup contender out of the leftovers, and yet here we are. So I mean, George McPhee's going to win GM of the year, and Gerard Gallant's going to be coach of the year, and uh, we we see uh, see how far the the players themselves can take uh, take this roster once they get into the playoffs. Are you surprised the Red Wings haven't gone for a full rebuild yet? I remember reading uh, this week uh, their GM talk about uh, that they're still refusing to do a complete teardown, and but now the playoff streak's over, and they're still middle of the road team. They're flirting with five hundred, and they made a couple moves at the deadline, but they're still just not going for a complete teardown. Are you surprised? You think it's a good strategy that they keep trying to reload instead of rebuild? Well, I, I mean, I think there's there's a couple of problems here. And, and the first is, I, I don't know how much of this is philosophy uh, from Ken Holland, the, the GM. You know, he, he it's possible that he really doesn't want to, to do this rebuild. Um, he doesn't he doesn't believe that's the right path. If, if that's the case, I think he's probably wrong. I think this, the, this team probably does uh, need to be a little bit more aggressive in, in tearing down before they can build back up. Um, but I'm not convinced that, that he necessarily thinks that. you got to remember, you know, yeah, the playoff streak is over, but they got a brand-new arena there. And yeah. it, it can be a tough sell to go to an owner and say, hey, I know you just sank a bunch of money into this beautiful new new building, and you'd really like it to be full every night, but I'm going to pick right now to say, uh, yeah, we've we've got we've got to finish in last place for the next couple of years. That, that's a tough <laughs> sell. Uh, yeah. So I can see that being a, a factor. The other piece of it is, you know, look at look at this roster and look at their salary cap situation, their contract commitments. It's a pretty tough roster to tear down because a lot of these guys are signed to very long term deals at um, you know pretty pretty high price tags, at least in terms of the overall value. Some of the cap hits aren't too bad, but the contracts just go on forever. 
so you know you, you typically when you're doing the rebuild you find yourself with lots of demand for your guys who are on the the, the last year of a contract maybe some of the guys that are younger guys that have some term left it's awfully tough to move guys in this league that are in their 30s with years and years left on a contract and and the the red wings unfortunately uh, have got a bunch of those guys, and, and some of those deals paid dividends for them years ago when they were contending. Uh, but now it's it's you know the bills come due, and and the bill is that uh, you know there, there's a, a lot of these guys. You if you just look down the list of names and the stats, you might say there's there's some guys here that other teams would want if they wanted to tear it down. But then you you look at the you look at the cap situation, and you go, oh man, there's. No, nobody's going to want to touch these guys. So I was surprised they weren't able to move Mike Green. That was the one that stood out to me because that was an expiring contract, and that was one of those situations where typically, as a you know, not even necessarily a rebuilding team, but a team that's going to miss the playoffs, that's the sort of guy you've got to move. I realize he had a no trade; he was injured. There was you know he he probably got a little bit buried behind McDonough and Eric Carlson as far as the demand for defensemen, but um, that one did surprise me a little bit that Ken Holland didn't have something in his back pocket as it ticked down to the deadline where he could move this guy and, and get some sort of future assets. Get excited, Red Wings fans! It's gonna be great next couple of years fighting for that eight seed. <laughs> um, last two questions and then you got to go. Uh, one are. Is there any chance the Pittsburgh Penguins win the Stanley Cup again this year? And two, who is your actual pick? If you had to guess based on where the season's going and who you've watched a lot of this year, who do you think is going to actually win the Stanley Cup final this year? Yeah, I mean, you, your first question as far as the Penguins, absolutely. They can, they okay. can win the Stanley Cup. I mean, they're a real good team. They got better with the Derek Broussard trade. Uh, you know, to tonight's uh, debacle in Boston notwithstanding. The, the, yeah, this is absolutely a good team. You, you have to think at some point fatigue's going to kick in with these guys, all the hockey they've played over the, over the last couple of years. Um, but they, you know, they look like a team that kind of took a lot of the first half off and then were able to hit the gas when they needed to and, and, and round back into form. So, um, yeah, I, they, they, they absolutely, uh, I think, have, have got a shot probably about as good a shot as as any of the other two or three top contenders out there but if i had to pick a team uh right now i'm i'm going with the lightning i I think that this is uh you know this is a a fantastic team top to bottom getting great goaltending they've got now the two uh two top tier defensemen that they can they can throw out there which means 45 50 minutes a night you're going to have uh you know a norris caliber defenseman out there uh, uh that's that's huge certainly in the playoffs and uh you know i i think they've got all the pieces wouldn't shock me to see them lose in the second round to a team like boston but it it uh, you know certainly uh, also would not shock me to see see them put together four real good series and uh, skate off with the stanley cup all right there you have it sean this has been great thank you so much for taking the time tonight i really appreciate it anytime thanks for having me all right well you can find me on twitter at down goes brown we can read you up by sports we can listen to you on the Biscuits podcast, and we can also read you at Sportsnet. So, Sean, thank you so much, and we'll have to do this again soon, man. Right on. All right, thanks, Sean. Okay, thank you. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. 
It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.